If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's nice to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to welcome everybody in here. Good morning to all of you. And I want to welcome everybody that's listening to me online, SoundCloud, or going to gospelsavingchurch.com and listening to my sermons online from all over the world, Brazil and Indonesia and everywhere in the world, Thailand. Welcome everybody that's listening online. Praise be to God. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for all your support and supporting me in this church that we're doing here. We're still a new church. We're not even a year. We're just a couple weeks away from a whole We've been in a church for just about a year. Can you believe it? Can you believe that we've been a church for that just, just about a year? I just can't believe it's been that long. It just seemed like just yesterday uh, that we just started, but we've, we've been doing church for just about a year. Another week or two, we'll, we'll have a year under our belts. Wow. And God has taught me so much. I hope he's taught you so much by listening to me. And um, if you guys want to bow your heads for a word of prayer first, and then we'll get into our service and we'll talk about the word and get into the message. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much for your love that you give to every one of us, Lord. You allow every person's heart to beat even when they're sleeping, Lord. We don't even have to think about it. You make our breath breathe in our lungs even while we're sleeping, Lord. We don't even have to think about it. It's just a supernatural thing that happens while we sleep. It's just... Amazing, Lord, how you keep life, Lord. Your power keeps life going. Just your power. Even you keep the power in the sun. You gave the power to the sun because the sun wouldn't have had the power that it has unless you would have given our sun the power that it has. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much because you're so big. We can't even make a rock or a leaf or any little thing, Lord God, we can't make anything from nothing like you did. 
But yet everything that we see was made from nothing at one point. Everything. You are great, Lord God. You are mighty, Lord God. You are glorious, not us. We're just sinful man. Anyway, Lord, I pray you bless the service. I pray you bless my speaking. I pray, Lord God, that the words that I say would be Holy Spirit-filled words, Lord, teaching us all, even me as I speak. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would endow us with much wisdom today as we listen along. And I pray, Lord God, that your word would make us excited. Lord God, as there is a point in this message where I just get so excited about what you told us, Jesus. I pray that everybody that listens would get, ex- get, get as excited as I was and I still am about what you told us in Matthew 10, 40. We just love you and praise you, dear God. I pray you keep the devil out of this place. Bind him, Lord, that he may not come into our minds or not even speak or whisper nothings into our ears, Lord God, while we're listening today. And I pray we'd be able to be still and be focused on the things that you're telling us, Lord, here today. I love you. May you be magnified and glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 10. Verses 40 through 42, we're going to study three verses this scripture, or this section, this week. As you guys are opening up, the title of this week's uh, message is, He who receives you, receives me. So you can keep that in your memory banks as we're going along. He who receives you, receives me. We're going to talk about that, and that's... That's actually the most exciting point to the sermon. That little detail there that we'll get in depth in when we get there, Matthew 10, 40. But if we can read the scripture first, the first three verses, and then we'll get, we'll get down to it. Matthew 10, 40. Jesus says again, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So as we start off, just so you guys know, as we're going through, Jesus just spent a whole chapter talking to his disciples about evangelism. In case you can look back, or if you'd like to look back, from Matthew 10, 1 to Matthew 10, 42, the whole chapter was spent nothing. Jesus spent none of that chapter explaining anything except for calling his disciples, commanding them to go preach, and telling them to preach, that's a recap of all that he just did. He spent a whole chapter doing nothing but tell them how to evangelize. Here at Gospel Saving Church, we spent six weeks on this one chapter. This seventh week will be our close. This will be our seventh week. We'll close out this whole chapter, and we'll finish out chapter 10 this week. We'll get into chapter 11 next week. 
So in seven weeks, we'll get through it all. But Jesus probably spoke all this to his disciples in a matter of, who knows, maybe a half hour. We don't read that they even had questions. Their mouths were probably hanging over most of the time, hanging open most of the time. Because, you know, as we've read, it's, you know, some of the things that they heard were probably shocking to them about some of the things that they were going to face. Some of his topics included from, you know, 10.1 to 10.39, uh, where they were supposed to go and the provision that they were supposed to take along the way. Remember, we talked about that, and then we talked about what we should do as we go when we covered that in our first week in Matthew chapter 10. We studied who they were supposed to talk to as they went. Remember, they were only supposed to go to the Jews. They were only supposed to go to the land of Israel, to the land of Jerusalem, because, you know, Jesus came first to the Jews. So he talked about who they were supposed to talk to along the way. He taught them how to deal with rejection. Because remember, rejection would be something that would be part of sharing God's word. So he taught them how to deal with that rejection. And then we talked how to deal with rejection on our end. He told them the promise. He gave them the promise that persecutions would come. But remember, he told them, don't fear. Don't fear man. For remember, we're the apple of God's very eye. Important to remember. He told them what they were to preach. And then the importance of preaching Jesus' name and Jesus' teachings from the housetops. Remember, he told them everything that they should preach and Jesus' name. And then last week we had the saddest and most hurtful topic that we've covered so far, that we would even, real Christians, real disciples of Christ, real people that decided to love God would even be excommunicated, basically. They would be scorned off and pushed off by their family members. That their own families would, you know, not like them and be divided against them because of their love of the Creator. And we talked about how that hurts the worst because it's one thing being rejected from out in the world and it's another thing to be rejected by those whom you love and care for the most in the whole world. Your whole family, your very immediate family, those whom you love the most. We have one more topic that we're going to cover this week, but before we do, God gave us a little detour. We have one more little topic, and that's our topic today. He who receives you receives me, and that whole section about that. But first, a detour that God has for us in something that we could have easily missed, but God didn't want us to miss it. God showed me this this week. He said to me, and as I saw the scripture this week, isn't it funny? Because when real disciples of Christ, real Christians go out and share the real gospel of Jesus Christ, the real Jesus with the world, Jesus told us all that was going to happen. Remember, persecutions, family members against us, the people were going to reject us. And so I kind of looked at it and I went, well, you know, Lord, where's the good news here, Lord? Where's the good news for me? I'm, I'm following you with all my heart. That, that, that doesn't sound like good news. Where's the good news for me? And where's the good news for those whom I talk to about you? Because, Lord, I, you know, it'd be something like this. You know, I go to talk to, hey, man, can I talk to you about Jesus? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, did you know if you ever became a real Christian that your own family's going to hate you? 
You're going to be scorned. You're going to be persecuted. People just aren't going to like you. Hey, come on, let's go. Who's up? Who's ready? Come on, come on in. Who wants to become a real Christian? You know, people aren't going to take kindly to that kind of message. People aren't going to take kindly. So I thought, Lord, where is the good news? Where's the good news for the disciples of Christ? And where's the good news for those whom we talk to about you, you know, trying to tell them about you? Now, there's a very common message in America today and probably all over the world. I, in fact, I was listening to a born-again Christian on YouTube one time talking about Turkey, and he was a Turkish Christian. And in Turkey, the Christians come in, and even here in America, I've heard it so often, God has a wonderful plan for your life. That's the message that you'll hear a lot today. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, I hate to tell you, but that message comes straight from the pits of hell. Because that is not the real biblical message at all. That God is going to make your life great. And everything is just going to be a, a cakewalk. And it's going to be just a wonderful tiptoe tip through the tulips. Come on, be a, be a Christian, man. Everything's going to just be great. Oh, it's just, everybody's going to embrace you and love you so much. They don't really explain what that wonderful life is going to be like. Because I can tell you, as a Christian for almost 14 years myself, life has not been that wonderful as a Christian. There's been lots of hardships, lots of pains, lots of times of hurt, lots of suffering, lots of tribulation. The real biblical message sounds a little more like this. If you become a follower of Christ and stand for His truths, real Christians are going to be ridiculed. I can't tell you the times that I've been ridiculed for standing for God's truths. I'd say one time at work, I was talking to a guy who was newer there. And we were talking about Jesus, and, and he said, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, your Bible, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. And I said, uh, I said, well, you know, it's the Bible, and it's God's Word, and it's real. And he said, ah, yeah, whatever. And he goes, well, you... I said something along the lines of, well, you don't like it because the Bible says that we're all just sinners and deserving of death. And God said that none of us are good people and that he's the only one that's good. He fired off at me. This fellow fired off at me like I was the devil. I'm a good person. What do you dare? Are you talking about me? I'm a good person. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. He fired off at me because how dare I tell him a biblical truth? Because Jesus said it unless he was lying. He said, for there's no one good but God. And the opposite of good is not bad, it's evil. There's none good but God. That means we're all evil. We're not just bad people, we're all evil. And Jesus said, there's none good. It's a biblical truth. And you will be ridiculed if you speak that biblical truth to others. We'll be mocked. People mock me often. I share Christ and people, I, I just know it. I see it in their hearts, they mock. They persecute you. If you've become a real biblical Christian and you live your life for Christ, you notice that you're not the most popular person anymore. People don't generally want to, you know, hang around with you. You know, people more like scorn you, you know, leave you out because they know you're, you know, into that Jesus guy now. Family members will be divided against you and you'll be hated. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, be a Christian. 
No. No, that's, that's what the biblical message is. That's what we saw in the New Testament. That's what we saw in the Bible happen to the disciples. That's the real biblical message. And in case you didn't know, 10 out of the original 12 disciples were martyred for their faith. That means brutally murdered for their faith in Christ. They were martyred. And countless hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of Christians over the last 1900 years under rulers like Nero. Evil, evil rulers of this world. Hundreds and hundreds and thousands have been murdered even by the Catholic Church during the Inquisition just for standing for biblical truths. So I was asking, I was kind of looking, so God, where is the good news for those who preach the good news of Christ and for those who accept Jesus Christ? Where is their good news, Lord? Because, Lord, from where I'm looking here this last chapter, there's not much good news. So God showed me this. Even though so much, there's so much that can and will go wrong, and there's lots of hardships that will come our way, here's just a couple of examples of the good news that Jesus Christ brings and that we can, we can speak to others that although I can't with a good conscience tell somebody that their life is just going to get immensely better and they're going to just have such, they're just going to have such, life is going to be great and they're going to get that best job that they needed and, and everything's going to just be a, a, a cakewalk. Here's what I can tell them. Here's what I can say. Jesus offers his disciples and those to turn to him and away from their sinful lifestyles and put their trust in him a deep, Fellowship daily. And a daily peace and a daily hope through all the bad things that might happen to them. Jesus says in John 14, 18 about the Holy Spirit of God and himself, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He will never leave us alone. Wow. Whether evil things happen to us because of the gospel or not. Because evil things will happen to you, folks. Bad things will happen to you, folks. Whether you stand for the gospel, whether you stand for Jesus Christ or not, evil and bad things will happen to you. Life is full of tribulation, even outside of Jesus. Life is full of tribulations and bad things that will happen to us. But, in my experience with God and what He wants to do for me and who He is, Jesus Christ fills that God-shaped place in your heart that we try to fill with alcohol, drugs, evil things of the world, pleasures, idols, such as cell phones and cars and big, beautiful houses. We, we think we need all those things, and all those things are going to give us pleasure. All those things are going to give us peace. All those things are going to give us such grace and wonderfulness, but they're not. But they're not. Jesus Christ fills every one of our needs, our desires, 
our hurts, our pains, our wants, our disappointments, and any other thing that you can think of in this life, Jesus fills those voids that you have in your natural life that you live every day. And he gives you peace. We were just talking about it at church today, how when we call on the name of the Lord, when we're going through a struggle or when something is really going wrong and we're just so nervous about it, that God helps us even through our difficult times. Can you put a price? Can you, who here, who in your minds right now, I'm speaking out loud, who can put a price on that? Put a price on peace. Because the people that don't know Jesus, they don't really have peace. And if you ask them, what would you give for peace? Wow. Answers that you'll get will be amazing. Because you can't put a price on peace. You can't put a price on help in every situation. You can't put a price on that. And if that shouldn't be enough, because I think that that even could be enough. You know, that if God gave his children those things, that could be enough. You know, I mean, honestly, if that's all that God gave us after we came to him, even though he, he promised us all those other bad things that would happen, if he even gave us those things that we just talked about right there, that would be enough. But, oh, there's so much more. Before the third thing, the last and greatest thing, the whole Bible, people have written volumes of books on God's promises that he gives to those that will follow him. That all, he promised us a bunch of bad too, yes. But he wrote whole, people have written whole volumes and books on the Bible's promises that God gives to those that will follow him. <laughs> and a third thing. Number three, just how about that little fact? Just that little eensy, weensy, tiny, just a little, that little insignificant. I'm, well, no, I can't say that. Not a good conscience. Just that little fact that Christ came to offer salvation to sinners from the torments of hell and the lake of fire where people will spend all of their eternities, where the smoke of their torment will rise forever and the worm will never die and their fires will never be quenched. How about that little thing that Christ offers those that truly surrender unto him? That you won't have to spend an eternity in the lake of fire. For those that reject Jesus will spend forever. Wow! Your sins will be paid for one way or the other, folks. Whether it is you being held accountable for them when you die, and when you stand before God because you have your think you think you got good works, but you're a sinner, you're gonna pay for your sins when you stand before God. And you're going to suffer an eternity in hell like a fire because God wants perfection as payment for your sin. The perfect sacrifice to pay for your sins. Whether it's you being held accountable for them or you allow Christ to pay for them, to deal with them because he's already dealt with and paid for them on the cross and he's paid for them in full. 
and took your sin penalty for you so you don't have to. Because again, your sins, there will have to be an atoning sacrifice. There'll have to be a payment for your sins, whether it's you or whether it's you allow Christ to do that for you. Isn't God so amazing? It's easy to look at all the bad things that could happen to our bodies, our flesh, because we turn to Christ and start standing for his truths and start, you know, speaking them to others. It's easy to think, wow, boy, this Christian stuff's not worth it. Why did I even choose this path? Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that I was signing up for this when I became to be a Christian. Wow, this is, this is too hard. And it's easy to forget about all the peace Jesus gives to those that follow him. And the eternity that we get to spend with God forever in peace. Forever. But when we look at the gift that God gave us through His Son, Jesus Christ, all I could say is, wow. What is a little suffering? What is a little inconvenience? What is a little hardship for a few breaths that you'll actually be here on this planet compared to an eternity of peace and peace now while you're going through whatever you're going through. Hmm. That's why we can never forget how much God loves us and we can never forget the price that he paid for us by doing what he did for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So now, on to today's feature presentation. <laughs> you can laugh. I know I'm not very funny often, but God gave me that. You know, I just, that was such a powerful thing that the Lord rose up in my heart this week because it's so easy to look at, wow, there's so many bad things that could happen to me because I'm going to follow Jesus. And yes, and yes, you will face hard times. You will face those persecutions. You will face those, those people scorning you and making fun of you and laughing at you. You will. That will happen to you as a Christian when you stand for God's biblical truths. But the price that Christ paid for you and the peace and the grace that he offers you through it all and in it all is amazing. We can't forget, we can't lose sight of that. So let's read verse 40 again, and let me explain it. Verse 40, Matthew chapter 10. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now, if that doesn't make you excited when I just read that, nothing should make you excited. Because I don't know if it didn't make you excited, I don't know if you understand completely what Jesus said to us here. Let me explain. He said that if you come with the correct message of Christ and the gospel and God's kingdom, and we know these points are necessary because of our context, because we could say, well, you know, Ed, you know, if anybody brings those things, no, but context here tells us that it has to be the, a disciple of Christ. That this promise here, he who receives you, Jesus is talking to you here, is talking to disciples. People that are followers of his word and followers of him. Living like him and doing the things that he said to do. But this promise here, he receives you, receives me, he receives me, receives him who sent me. Because it can't be just anybody receiving anybody. It has to be somebody who receives a disciple, somebody who receives a Christian, somebody who receives a Christ-like, because that's who Jesus was talking to here, his disciple. 
Christ. That's our context. He tells them slash us if we're with Christ, if we're following him, that preach him correctly. He says, he who receives you receives him. And he who receives him receives the one that sent him, which would that be God Almighty. Think about that. Disciples of Christ, that means that God looks on you and your message because we are the message that we bring as the one to represent Christ on earth. Wow! You, you, you represent Jesus Christ on this planet for God. Now to me, that's exciting. Is it exciting to you, amen? amen. Come on now. Think about that. God of all creation chose you to be his representative on the face of this planet. I think God can do a pretty good job representing himself, can he? <laughs> I don't think he needed me because I don't think I do that good of a job. But God said, no, if you follow my son, you, I want you, like Uncle Sam's army here, I want you to represent me on this planet, on this planet Earth. I don't know that you realize what kind of honor this is. This is a great honor. The Bible actually says of followers of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. So what's the definition of ambassador? I didn't go to the biblical definition of ambassador because then you might say, well, Ed, you know, that's just the Bible's definition. Well, I went to the dictionary.com because the Bible definition would be the same thing. So dictionary.com, an ambassador means, now listen to these words, guys. Listen to these words. A diplomatic official of the highest rank. Woo! sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. Wow! As one sovereign, and I, I figured because of that word sovereign in there, you might think, well, I, you know, that's just the Bible. No, no, no. That's dictionary.com's message. That's dictionary.com's definition of ambassador. Woo! Read it again. A diplomatic official of the highest rank. That's how God sees those that represent Christ. A diplomatic official of the highest rank. Sent by one sovereign. Now we know who the one that sovereign is that sent us. Or state to another as its resident representative and and definition to a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission well we have a temporary mission too here don't we this is dictionary.com i don't real i don't know that they realize what definition they were writing but this is definitely a god definition because this is the biblical thing here as for negotiating a treaty now, what did we just hear Paul write in 2 Corinthians 5.20? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We're here, definition two, by the government of the kingdom of heaven to represent it. So think about that. You're representing God and his kingdom and his government 
on a temporary mission. You know, the Bible says that we're just here temporarily. We're not here forever. We're just here for a short little time. As for negotiating a treaty, and that's what God is trying to do with people. God is trying to negotiate a treaty because people are guilty of their sins. And we're trying to negotiate a treaty for God with the people of this planet, trying to get them to make peace with God. That's an ambassador. Wow. That means that God chose Christ's disciples to represent Him on earth and speak His very words to people. Now that's exciting to me. That's exciting to me. But there's another great honor here. There's another great honor that God put in here. We're not only honored because in real in reality, if you think about it, in life, the lesser should always bless and give honor to the greater, right? But here God gives us. Jesus gives his disciples and those that would follow him later, gives us an honor here. God honors us in this section here. Not we're honoring God. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? But God yet gives another honor here. Not just to those that would be the ambassadors. Look at it. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives the one who sent me. Another great honor and blessing that God gives here is in verse 40 that it's the one that receives Christ's ambassador actually receives God. They actually receive Christ. Because if they receive you, disciple, if they receive you, real Christian, then their honor is is they actually get to receive Christ. They get to receive God. Wow! So even those who just receive you are really receiving Christ and God the Father. That's awesome that's awesome but unfortunately as we see so often in our world today we there's two sides to the coin what's the opposite of receive is reject so what happens if somebody rejects christ's ambassador what if somebody rejects you guys well luke 10 16 jesus tells us with the same context except this time he's sending out 70 disciples in Luke 10. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects the one that sent me. That's in Luke 10, 16. People reject Christ. If they reject God's ambassador, if they reject you, Christian, They're not just rejecting you. They're rejecting the one who sent you. Wow. Now, people don't see it like that. And throughout all the years I've been preaching Christ, so many people don't want to receive anything I tell them. Even those that I know personally at work, and they know my character, and they know I stand for Christ, and they know I'm God's ambassador, and they know this. They still don't receive me. They reject me. And they don't see it like, well, I'm rejecting God. I've even actually said in a witness, I'll say, hey, man, 
you know, can I give you this track for Jesus or can I talk to you for a few minutes about Jesus? And I'll say, no, man, I'm not interested. You know what? Go away from me. And then I'll tell them, because I know this scripture, I would say to them, why are you saying no to Jesus? And they've actually told me front to my face, I'm not rejecting Jesus. I'm just rejecting you. But what does the scripture just say here today? That if they reject me, they reject the one who sent me, which is Jesus Christ. And if they reject the one who sent me, they reject God Almighty. But they don't know because they don't know the Bible, but they still think they're Christians. They still think they're safe with God. Oh, God have mercy on their souls. Let's move on to more positive words of Jesus Christ because we've had so much negative in this section. Let's go on to something more positive, more power, positive stuff. Verse 41, let's read it. Read it all with me, guys. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Now, a prophet is someone who speaks things they have heard from God. A righteous man, remember the Bible says there's none righteous, only God's righteous. But a, a righteousness according to the law, you know, we can be righteous in the world's eyes. We can live a righteous life in the world's eyes. Those who receive a righteous man or a prophet in the name of a prophet or in the name of a righteous man shall receive a reward. He says that even, Jesus tells us that even all who receive a prophet or righteous man as such will receive a reward from God. Isn't God so kind? Yes. Amen. Amen. Did you know that God is the biggest gift giver in the whole world that ever was and that ever will be and that is currently? In James, in his epistle in chapter 1, verse 17, it's, James writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now, in our text, I'll give you 10 to 1 odds that Jesus is speaking in verse 41 about people that you know are righteous, that you know our prophets, that you know, hey, I know, I know that guy, and I know that guy, oh, you know, he speaks, you know, he's a prophet, he's definitely a prophet, the things he says to be, you know, I know that God speaks through him, I know that God speaks him, but you may be saying to yourself, because I believe that even though 100 to 1, Jesus is speaking about somebody that we know here, that verse 40, 41 applies for all, even today, even for all prophets and even for all people that come in the name of a righteous man or a prophet in their name. And you may be saying to yourself, now wait a minute, Pastor Ed. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Put on the brakes. Put on the brakes. What if that person that comes in the name of a prophet or a righteous man is a fraud? What if? What if they come to me and, and they're, they're a fraud and, and, and they're a liar and they're a thief? Should we still receive them? Is that what the Bible says? Should we still receive them? Well, there's two points on that. Two points. Number one, if we receive that prophet or righteous man, or we'll call him an apostle, that was another word that the Bible gave for apostle. If we receive them innocently, if we receive them and we don't know any better, you know, we're just trying to be, have a good spirit about it and trying to have a positive attitude about it, and we receive them innocently, but they're really a fraud, what did Jesus say? He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and the same for a righteous man. 
I believe that what Christ is saying here is that we'll still receive a reward even if we receive one of those who's in error. Or even if we receive one of those that's a liar, if we're innocent in it. But on their head, on their head comes condemnation. On their head. Um, and it just happened to me, ironically. We were here a few weeks ago at the church because the church is my home. And I had a person come to me telling me he was a prophet. He was an apostle of God and he needed help and he's in this bad situation. And he gave me this big, long story. And innocently, you know, I was hearing God and God was telling me to test him. And as we're going to get to the second point here. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't do it. I was in error. I was wrong. I helped the guy out. And the guy stole from me. The guy was dishonest, and he was a false prophet. He was a falsy. He, he was not real. He was a liar. And if you know, now this would be non-innocently, that you know, you've got somebody that claims to be a Mormon and they're an apostle, or somebody, a Jehovah Witness, or somebody, you know, somebody that claims, and you know that they're not you know, a prophet or a righteous man, then you know, then right away, you know to get away from them. But if in innocence, you receive one in their own name, then God says here, he's still going to, a blessing, a reward will be given to you for that. But second point, Christ does tell the loveless church in the book of Revelation, chapter two, verse two, he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And he says that you have tested those who say they are apostles and they're not, and you have found them liars. So Christ actually commended his church, his people, for testing those people that come to you in the name of an apostle or the name of a prophet or in the name of a righteous man. And if you test them and find them liars, you need to get away from them. Get away from them. So it's not a bad thing to see what they have to say. You know, still receive them. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Oh, that's great. Oh, you call yourself this. But then throw some tests out there. Well, how, you know, how do I know that you are? Give me some proof. Let me check your references. Let me see, you know, if you're who you say you are. Come on, let's, let's come in. Give me a phone number of the person that you claim is, you know, somebody that, you know, you know and, and so on and so forth. Let, let's check it out. And, and, a, and a good and honest prophet, a real man of God, has nothing to hide. They have nothing to hide. If they're really a man of God, if they're really righteous, if they're really a prophet, then they don't have any problem with you checking them out and testing them at all. So it's good to test these, and especially today, Christian. It's good today because we have so many false prophets today, so many false apostles today that come in their own name, and there's, they have nothing. They have no proof. They just come, hey, here I am. I'm a man of God. Hey, believe me. Give me all that you got. So final point, receive them. Love them. And be a light to them, whether they're real or whether they're a fraud. But don't be afraid to test them like Revelation 2.2 said. Don't be afraid to test them. Because if you find them a liar, get away from them. We got to be wise. Remember one of the things that Jesus says we were going to be sent out? He said you need to be wise as serpents, but innocent 
very innocent, innocent as a gentle dove or innocent as a gentle lamb. So be wise, Christians, on who comes to you. Be wise. Still receive them and still love them again. Still be a light to them, but test them. And if you find them to be liars and you find them to be frauds, get away as quick as possible. In fact, you can even do a Jonah. Repent or die. You can even give them a Jonah. You're wrong. You're on your way to hell. But hey, that's it. I'm done. Get Time to go. Time to go. Moving on. Verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So in case you're wondering, who are the little ones, Pastor Ed? The little ones, I believe, biblically are the disciples. The little ones are the disciples. And what is the heart of Scripture telling us here? God will bless any person who gives a gift to a disciple with some kind of a reward. Even a tiny gift. You think, how important would a cup of cold water be? Well, to me, if I was really, 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 really thirsty, it might, yeah, that would be a great blessing to me. If somebody gave me that. But, uh, you know, give me a cup of cold water or a... Uh, or, you know, give me a thousand dollars. Of course, a thousand dollars is going to be a greater gift. But to God, he even will honor the person that gives a disciple, a little one of Christ. He'll honor them and he'll give them a reward that they shall not lose. Even to someone that gives as little of a gift to a disciple as a cup of cold water. I've had people that kind of knew the scriptures in the past Give me and a brother of mine as we were out on a cold night. Give us a couple cups of coffee. On a really cold night, we were freezing. We were walking down Walnut Hill toward 35 in downtown Dallas. And I had somebody that somewhat knew the scriptures or whether, I don't, even if they didn't, God put it on their hearts. But they came, they found us after we preached to them and they gave us a couple cups of hot coffee. And you know, I think the scripture is reversed there. If you give a disciple a cup of cold water when it's hot and they're dying out there because it's in the desert and they're hot, I think God still honors the one that gives the cup of hot coffee to the disciple because it's freezing cold outside and we needed to warm up our hands and our insides. I think those people got a reward for that as well too. So God even gives a reward to a person for blessing a disciple of Christ for even giving them the smallest what we would look at, the most insignificant gift, and they shall by no means lose their reward. Wow. So remember, all the people Jesus said would persecute Christians, look on that side of it, all the persecutions, the family members that would be against us, all the different things in that aspect, they're going to bring condemnation down on themselves for doing that. But here, and just the opposite, remember, we have an always an opposite to God's word. Those that accept and those that bless and receive God's disciples and God's prophets and God's righteous, God gives them a reward and such a reward is that they shall not even lose it. Remember what I said earlier, God is the biggest gift giver. He's the biggest gift giver in all the universe, was, is, and ever will be because in eternity, God's going to give a gift to all his that are his forever. God's going to keep giving us gifts and blessings and eternal life forever and ever. And nobody can outgive God. Did you know that, guys? Nobody can outgive God. God is so loving and so gracious. 
So I want to close to those. I would sit here today and you'd say, I'm a Christian, Pastor. I'm a blessed God. I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. If you consider yourself a Christian, back up a little bit to the whole chapter and the whole context. This whole chapter, all Jesus did, just like I started out the sermon with, was tell his disciples slash us, you're his, to evangelize, to talk about God's kingdom, to talk about Jesus with other people. Talk, 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 talk. Get me out there. Now I have a question to you, Christian. If this topic wasn't that important to God, if Christ Jesus didn't think this evangelism topic wasn't that important, then why did he spend a whole chapter on it? If it was just a little detail that Enon just threw in, why would he throw a whole chapter? I believe, I could be wrong, that there's about 28 chapters in Matthew. I could be wrong off one or two. He spent 128th just in this section alone dealing with nothing but Christians supposing to be evangelizing and telling others about God's Word. I believe the Word of God says that real Christians need to be sharing Jesus' name, His message with the world, and that Christianity, evangelism, is a Christian duty. Evangelism is a Christian duty. And whether or not you believe this verse matters to all Christians, Jesus said to some of his disciples in Matthew 4.19, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now me, when I got saved about 14 years ago, he made me a, a, he made me a fisher of men right away. Within weeks, I was a fisher of men. He put it in my heart, and I was just automatically out there sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus and sharing the truth with everybody that I could meet and everybody that anybody that would listen. That's what, that, that was how I am. But obviously here he says, I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, I will make you. What does that mean? That means that maybe we don't start that way because maybe that's not your particular gift of the Holy Spirit of evangelism. But what did he say? I will make you fishers of men. That talks about a process. He'll make you a fisher of men. If you see today that you are not practicing this Christian duty on a regular basis, then what the Bible's telling you to do right now, please repent. Please repent, because if it wasn't important to God, He wouldn't have spent a whole chapter of His precious Word telling His disciples to do it. So it's important to God. And if it's important to God, it should be important to you. Because a Christian is a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, and a follower is supposed to be practicing the ways of life of the one they're following. And what was Jesus? Jesus was a preacher, like I'm doing right here. He stood in synagogues, and he stood on the mount and had the Sermon on the Mount. What else did he do? He walked through towns, and wherever he went, and he proclaimed his word wherever he went. He was a pastor. He was an evangelist, and he was a preacher. And he was a teacher. So my advice to you, biblically, of the scriptures, is get going and follow your master and do what he's commanding you to do. 
And you might be saying, but Pastor Ed, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I, I can't do that. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not ready. I don't even know what to say. Then here's my advice to you. Here's my pastoral advice to you. Pray and ask God, give me the wisdom. Give me the boldness. Give me the ability to share Christ. Please, God, give it. I don't find it. I don't see it. It's not there. Then your responsibility is then, if you see that in yourself and you see it's not there, to seek God and pray. God, please give it to me because I know that it's important to him. Because if you pray anything, the Bible says, according to God's will, then the Bible says that you should have it. And he will give it to you. He will. God is faithful to answer the prayers of his children that are according to his will. And do you think Jesus Christ sharing him is God's will? We just read about the whole chapter. Of course it's God's will. Of course it's God's will. And here's another way to look at it. If you're worried about being mocked, or beaten, or attacked, or, oh, Mr. Ed, maybe people will make fun of me, or, or, well, then how about this? Jesus was mocked. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was attacked. He was persecuted, and he was made fun of. So my question to you today is if, you know, that, oh, I'm scared of these things, are you above your master? Because Jesus said that a servant shall not be greater than his master. It's something that they should be equal to his master. Are you greater than your master? Are you above the things that Jesus went through to give us his word? Are you above going through those things? Because he went through them. And if you're his servant, then you're not above him. Maybe you're worried about getting martyred, getting killed for your faith. Well, I have this to say. As you think about this, but Pastor, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to be martyred or even killed before I leave my family. Well, then I got this to say. You're going to die anyway. You're going to die someday anyway, whether it's today or tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or 30 years from now. You're going to die someday. Someday, you're going to take your last breath you're going to close your eyes and your, your heart's going to stop beating and you're going to die one last, you're going to die. Now, no, since no man knows the day and the tower, or the hour of their departure, you don't know when that's going to be. What greater honor would you think it would be, think about this to yourself, if you're preaching Christ, you're preaching God's name, or you're handing somebody a track and all of a sudden you have a heart attack or all of a sudden somebody comes up behind you and shoots you in the back of the head for sharing Jesus. So, hey, man, I want to let you know that Jesus loved, boom, ah, oh, and you're dead. And then you wake up, and you're standing before God, and the last thing that you did when you, when you were alive was handing somebody a gospel track or telling somebody how much Jesus loves them. Wouldn't that, I could just see the Father now with a great big old smile on his face, my servant, you were preaching to the last breath. Praise be to God. Think about that. Because you're going to die someday. Why not die for Jesus if that's what he wants? Why not die for Jesus? Going to die. It's going to happen. And not one person ever lived didn't die. Even Elijah and Enoch, they got carried up to heaven and they got taken away. But guess what? Since nobody can see God in the flesh, they died before they hit heaven. 
Because nobody can see God in the flesh and live. So even they died, even though they were taken up and they didn't die while they were standing on the planet. They died. Or they got new bodies, so their bodies perished away, and they got new bodies before they got to see God. So there you go. So even they died. So 100%, they died. So my close to another group. Jesus said he who receives me, or receives a follower of mine, receives him. And, he re- and then in turn receives God Almighty. Do you receive people who come to you in the name of Christ? Or do you dismiss them away? Just tell them that you're all right and, and you, know, you don't want to really talk to them. You're too busy. I, I, I don't have time to talk to you about Jesus. I, you know, I, I worship God. Me, me and him have a deal. Me and him, we, we got our own special deal. Because if you don't have time, remember what Jesus said in Luke 10. He who rejects the one that's mine, rejects me, and in turn rejects the one that sent me. And in fact, maybe you can look at your life, and I want you to look at your life. Does your life represent Christ at all? Or is Jesus just one of your beliefs? Do you even reject Jesus by the ways that you even live? Because you live in sin. If this is you, then you're rejecting Christ, people. You're not rejecting the person that God sent. You're rejecting Christ and you're rejecting God. You're rejecting Him. And I get to tell you, but just a belief is not what the Bible says it takes to get in heaven. Just believing in Jesus is not enough. I believe that the sky is blue. I believe that space is black and has very little oxygen and has hardly no gravity. I believe all those things. I believe that I'm from McKinney, Texas, or I live in McKinney, Texas, and we have a church here. But so what? Belief is not enough to get you into heaven. Someone who believes in Jesus is no more a disciple of Christ than a person who lives and sleeps in a garage of car. I'm not a Christian because I believe in Jesus, nor am I a car because I sleep in a garage. That's not what makes a disciple of Christ. That's not what makes a Christian. Examine your life today and ask yourself these questions. If you died today, if I died today, would I absolutely, surely, absolutely go to heaven? Do you have that assurance your breath will end? Your heart will die. Your heart will stop. Are you assured you would absolutely go to heaven? Do do I hate sin? Do I hate the evil things in the world? Or do I think, oh, the world's all right. It's kind of a nice place. It's a wonderful place. Do you love, do I love holiness? Do I practice live slash practice slash live in a lifestyle of righteousness before God? Because he tells us that those that are his would practice and live in a righteous lifestyle. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, your actions, your ways of everything that you are? Is he your Lord? Examine your life in the light of Scripture because if you answered no to any of these questions, if you answered no, well, no, I, you know, well, I'm not really sure if I die right now, if I'd go to heaven. <clears throat> the 
Bible says that if you're really his, you would know that you know that you know that you know without a doubt. That you take your last breath here and then you'd be with God forever. You would hate the world if it's all its evil because the Bible says that he who has the love of this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you love holiness? Because God is holy. And all of his ways are holy. And if you don't love holiness, and you don't love righteousness, how can you be born of one that is holy and that is righteous? And if you just live your life in any way, and you live your life for you, and you're the boss of your life, and you act any way you want, the Bible says that you're in trouble. That you're not Christ. This Paul says the only thing that matters in Christ is that, is that you're a new creation. Something that's new, something that's reborn is something that's different. Something that's not the same. Are you not the same? A real Christian is someone that decides to say, I don't want to live in a lifestyle against God. I don't want to live... In, in sin. I don't just want to live for me. I just don't want to be my boss. I want God to be my boss. I want to turn to God. I want, I want Him. He's mine and I'm His. I'm His portion. He's my reward. I love the things of God and I want to live for the things of God. That's a Christian. Jesus said, all those that desire to follow after me must deny self. It's true repentance. Turn away, turn action in your heart. Turn away from evilness. Deny self. Pick up your cross. Put the death penalty to your flesh. And follow after me. And none of that did you hear. Those who believe in me are okay. Those who deny themselves, pick up their crosses and follow after Jesus. Those are the ones that are God's. Those are the ones that are God's. Please examine your life today. And if you realize I'm not there, no, I live for me, I'm my own boss. No, I, you know, I love the world, I love all the things of the world. Then realize that you're not in a good place and God wants you to repent. God wants you to turn to Christ today, right now, and stop living for you and start living for Him. Turn right now, please away from your sins, away from your evil, away from your wickedness, away from your self-bossness, away from your, I'm my God. And turn to Him and surrender to Him, please, before it's too late. Because one day, again, like I said earlier, someone's going to have to pay for your sins, whether it's you when you stand before God or you allow Christ to do it by surrendering to Him, where He's the one that's paying the penalty for your sins. Not you. Turn to him today. Cry out to him. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your word today. Thank you so much for your love for all mankind. Thank you so much, Lord God, like I preached many weeks ago, Lord, many months ago. You gave accurate directions to love. You gave accurate directions to heaven. You gave accurate directions to you. Lord God, we thank you so much 
that you love us that much that you, you could have just left us down in our sin. Lord, you could have just left us here and just said, oh, the, if they make it, they make it. If not, if not, uh, you know, they're all sinners anyway, and I hate them all, so, you know. But you didn't, Lord. Your word says that you love the world, and you gave your only begotten Son so whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And not just believe as we know Jesus. Believe is just the start. All that believe unto following, believe unto repentance, shall be yours, Lord God. I pray for those out there right now that aren't yours that are hearing this message, that they love this world. They know they're the Lord of their lives. They know that they don't live for you, God. I pray today that they would repent and turn their hearts to you, Lord, and change their hearts, God. I pray you would prick their hearts right now, Lord God, and help them to see that they're not right. And I pray, dear God, right now that they would cry out to you and say they're sorry for being the lords of their lives and fall on their knees and get on their face and cry out to Jesus and ask for salvation, ask for Jesus to not only be their Savior, but to be their Lord as well. Please, God, save those that are listening to this message that aren't yours. And Lord, I pray for Christians out there, Lord. I pray that we would be obedient to you even unto death. Even unto scorn. Even unto people making fun of us. Even to people mocking us. Even to people that are, that are, even if our family members go against us, Lord Jesus, I pray that we would preach Christ no matter what, dear God. that we wouldn't allow you to penetrate our lives in that area, and that we would even pray if we don't see it there and ask you to help us even in that area if we don't see it there. I pray, dear God, please, get them going for Jesus. Get them out there, speaking the truth to people wherever they go, bringing up your name. Get them out there, Lord. Get them out there. Put a burden on their hearts, Lord. Put a burning in their hearts to do your work, God. And to not say no to you in this anymore. Because if you didn't think it was important, dear God, you wouldn't have taught us a whole chapter on why we should be doing it. Bring them to repentance, Lord, in this aspect of their lives, Lord. Get them busy for Christ. I praise you and I thank you, dear God. I pray this message, wherever it goes, would lead people to you and draw people closer to you, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.